Welcome to another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein. Question. When dining in a restaurant, how much attention do you pay to the outfits worn by the men and women who are there to serve you? I'm guessing not much. But that's so not the case for my guest today, Deirdre Jones. Along with her husband, Yeston, the couple founded Jones of Borham Hill in 2012, a high-end uniform and apron company to, quote, fill a void in the market for a workwear company to take a more fashion-forward approach to uniforms and aprons. Some 150 restaurants worldwide buy their products, which are handcrafted in Manhattan's Garment District and at the couple's Brooklyn studio, Borham Hill, for those not in the know, is a section of Brooklyn. Some background. Deirdre, who's from New Hampshire, got a Bachelor of Fine Arts degree from SCAD, the Savannah College of Art and Design, and began her career in fashion working for Perry Ellis, Ann Taylor, and Abercrombie and & Fitch. Then she went out on her own, opening a dress boutique in Manhattan's East Village. Two years later, Deidre joined the fashion company Stephen Allen, where she spent nearly eight years as head technical designer, working on both men and women's collections. Let's meet Deirdre Jones. Welcome, and thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you, Sandy. So I'm guessing that stylish aprons and workwear was the last thing on your mind when you were working for Perry Ellis or... And Taylor or Abercrombie & Fitch. Yes, that's right. Uh, that was not on my radar at all. Well, what did you want to do when you went to SCAD in Savannah, which is a great city? Mm-hmm. Um, what was it that you had hoped to do after graduation? I wanted to work in women's uh, design, dresses, sort of high-end, stuff like that, in New York or L.A., something really exciting. But I didn't have a specific, specific focus. It was just designing great woman stuff, basically. And when you graduated, did it take long for you to get a job? Uh, a couple months. No kidding. Yep. I interviewed in L.A., interviewed in New York, and, and ended up uh, getting to New York, I think, in September, the same year I graduated. And what year was that? 2004. So that's not bad, you know, three months. And you knew that you wanted to be in one of these two big cities, exactly, right? Yeah. And so was Perry Ellis your first job? No, that came later. My first job was working for a Walmart vendor. It was pretty boring. (laughs) (laughs) And not especially creative? No, not creative at all. It kind of uh, soured my opinion of the the industry and what Mm -hmm. everybody did. So how did you get to some of these big names? Yeah. So after that sort of mediocre job. Uh um, You could only go up from there, right? right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, Not only mediocre, but stressful. I left the industry for a couple months, decided what I wanted to do. And came back, instead of getting a full-time position, I got um, an agent, basically. I worked for an agency. Oh, okay. Um, So they started sending me out for all kinds of cool positions, like technical design, uh, trend forecasting. I don't know what that means, technical design. I said it, and I don't know what it means. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of people don't know what that means. So basically, it's fit. Um, So I know basically how to do fit for men's, women's, all kinds of different clothing. It's the technical specifications of the garment. Okay, that that have to be sort of generic in a sense, right? Because, I mean, obviously if something is petite, it's different than a regular size. Right. So, I mean, when you dial it down, what you're doing is actually going into a fitting with a model and sort of pinching all the little parts on the garment that you're working on, seeing where it needs to come up, come down, come in, out. That's interesting. So the designer does not do that. In small companies sometimes. Mm-hmm. But um, no, there there has to be some sort of technical design person in each company. Did that speak to you? Did you really yeah. like doing that? Yeah, it was uh-huh. very creative. And you get to sort of bring in 
like a mathematical way of doing design, which is really appealing to me. Mm -hmm. like, yeah, it's almost like an architectural way of designing clothing. And it's sort of fitting it to that person's form. It, yeah, it mm -hmm. is art. I mean, I can certainly understand that. Yeah. And so from there? From there, I kind of honed in on which things I like to do and started doing tech design exclusively. Then I was working out in Ohio at Abercrombie, mm -hmm. and my mentor who I was working with as an intern um, when I was in college, called me out of the blue and said, uh, I'm closing up my boutique. Do you want it? Do you want to take it over? <laughs> and so I said, yeah, I'll come back So that right was now. the East Village store? That was the East Village store. So did you yeah. know anything about business? No. <laughs> no, That's not at all. crazy. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, my, my parents were very supportive. My dad helped out a lot. You know, back in the day when I went to school in that area at NYU, mm. that was a whole other ball Ooh, game. Yeah. You know, heavy drugs yes. and crazy. Back then, it was just more trendy. It still had that edge, but it was becoming cool and sort of trendy with the music scene coming in. Right. Um, it hadn't gotten too generic yet, which kind of, you know, as you know now, it's a little bit more... It's like every other, you know, neighborhood in New York exactly. City. Exactly. You know, you price yourself out of there. What kind of dresses did you sell? Would I have shopped there? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Uh -huh. So it was um, jersey dresses mostly, so sort of... Form-fitting. Not so much form-fitting, like some... I would say like 50s style almost, like cinched at the waist, but in kind of full skirts mm -hmm. and long sleeves. Kind of fit everybody. Uh -huh. And I worked on that. I worked on um, wool coats, things like that. But I didn't get too far into it. Um, I only had the shop for a couple of years. Because you just lost interest? Uh, the recession hit. Oh, right. Okay. Um, and I got offered a position at Stephen Allen. Explain that company. I don't know that I've heard of Stephen Allen. So Stephen Allen is um, a small brand. They're... About 20 years old, Stephen started downtown in Tribeca, and he's sort of known as like a downtown cool, sort of like heritage vibe. Okay. Um, he's known for his uh, button-down shirts that are kind of rumpled and sort of unique look to it. Um, he expanded rapidly when I was there. He went from four or five stores to 20 um, in the time I was there. I think he's actually going back down to the smaller number now. But mm -hmm. it's a high-end brand. They did um, Fashion Week every year, uh, men's, women's, accessories, children, everything. Really cool brand to work for. So you were there for eight years, eight right? Eight years, yeah. Uh -huh. And were you married at the time? Um, I was getting married as I sort of got that position. So what came first, getting married or starting this company? The marriage started first, yeah. Okay. So your husband... <laughs> was in a similar field. Uh, no, he was actually oh. in real estate. Um, oh. He was over in in, in the UK. Mm -hmm. So he came over to be with me here in New York. How did you meet? Um, we met between mutual friends at a bar in downtown Manhattan. Mm -hmm. We got married about a year later, but we got engaged two months after we got uh, <laughs> the first date. Was he planning to stay in the States or no. you, it was you? Uh, he did not really have any inclination to be here for any reason. So. so the fact was that he moved here because of you. Yeah. That's, okay. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So how did somebody in real estate wind up opening this company, Jones of Borum Hill? I was well into fashion at that point. My husband was is a very creative person. He really good at sales, but he always loved fashion. He loved stuff like that. He was always sort of coming up with ideas. He's an ideas guy, mm -hmm. sort of inventing things. And we decided at some point we wanted to go into business together. Um, we thought, you know, I have the production knowledge, the design knowledge, mm -hmm. he has the sales knowledge. Right. And we kind of went through a couple things that were similar, um, like accessories, sort of travel things. 
bags. Just you design them? Yeah, we did some prototypes and we were kind of like, yeah, this is sort of not really our thing. Mm-hmm. And we were both kind of always interested in unisex sort of utilitarian uniform type thing, like type clothing, but we never kind of made the connection. You thought about it and he thought about yeah. it. Yeah, hmm. mm-hmm. and um, we basically were in London sort of walking around, tinkering with some ideas, and we kept seeing all these people in the in the restaurants in London wearing these great aprons and like looking very put together compared to what they do here in the US. And we thought, oh hey, you know, that's really interesting that there's this whole other side to fashion where it's like in industry. You know, it's uniforms. You Just, never think of uniform and fashion in the same sentence, do you? You don't. And you know, when I was at Stephen Allen, we would get calls from hotels, hey, can you design, you know, our uniforms for us? And we would always say no, mm-hmm. because it was just too, too customized for us. We couldn't put the time and energy into such a small order. Oh, niche, in, is it in a way? Yeah, like it mm-hmm. was, it would be like designing a whole collection and it just wasn't worth it, monetarily worth Got it. Got it. And so I thought of that and sort of we thought of the aprons and we said, oh, this might be a thing. And we talked to some of our friends about it and a lot of our friends are in hospitality. And so one said, well, why don't you try designing for our restaurant and see what happens? What staff are you focused on? You're certainly not so much focused on the chef, are you? I mean, with, you know, all the sort of cooking shows going mm-hmm, on mm-hmm. and the open kitchen concepts, mm-hmm. there is a lot more visibility with chefs. So now they are coming to us and saying, I need to look good when I'm cooking, when I'm out talking to people, when I'm doing press. So I need more than just some white exactly apron. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. I was thinking about this when I knew you were going to come in, and I was trying to think of when I go out to dinner and the staff, sometimes that they're not uniforms. Yeah. You know what I mean? That they're just wearing clothing. Yeah. You're not supposed to necessarily notice. It's sort of something that should be blending in with the entire ambiance of the restaurant. And the environment. Yeah. Uh So if you think about a restaurant when they're putting it together, they spend so much money on interior design. You know, the the color of the leather on the banquettes, you know, the right. bar stools, the silverware. So this is sort of another element to it, to bring it all into this great cohesive sort of look. For Do the you diner. think that that is on a restaurant owner's mind, or did you have to convince some of them that they needed to do that? Both. In our experience, what's been happening is that when we started, we had these few restaurants, and people that owned restaurants would go in and be like, oh, what is that? Why does the staff look so great in here? Mm -hmm. And they would call us and say, can you do that with our staff? So it was a domino effect. What was that first job like? So it was, our friend was the GM of a restaurant, so he didn't own it. He pitched it to his owner and his owner said, yeah, I think that's And this was in Manhattan? It was in Tribeca, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so they kind of had an idea in in their head of what they wanted, which made it a little bit easier for us. Mm -hmm. And we just kind of had to get together and say, okay, this is the kind of fabric we want. Okay, we're just working on aprons. That's great. And then we kind of sourced everything, put prototypes together, and it went from there. In that restaurant, who wore the aprons? The front of house, so wait staff and bartenders. And so that is also men and women? Yep, men and women both. Was that a factor in Ugh. what you... <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Was that stating the obvious? Well, no. Me? You know, the thing is, it's like an apron is the solid you know, square of fabric. Yeah, but yeah. It has to fit a six foot four man or a five foot one woman, big guy, little guy, right, everyone. Right. So that that was extremely difficult to figure out, even though it sounds so simple. It's not a uniform can't be that uniform. Right. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> I'm so proud of that. <laughs> 
what was the mo of that restaurant? Casual, fancy, casual. And so you wanted you wanted the staff to be casual too. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And mean, so what does that mean? That it's denim. Yes, exactly. Oh, wow. I, who have no fashion sense. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it was, um, the, the restaurant is like a su- sort of southern comfort food. Mm-hmm. So we did uh, hickory stripes, like a, you know, uh, what do they call it? So like an engineer stripe. Yep, yep, yeah. yep. Uh-huh. So we did that and it kind of it went perfectly perfectly with the decor of the restaurant. And what about the fact that it's men and women? Did, did, how much did, was that of a factor? Did, you don't want something to be too masculine or too feminine, right. you know? yeah. We started out with doing different sizes, and that was just a mess. So what we ended up finding out was a lot of times it would be good if women were wearing half aprons. Covering what? Just, just their, their waist down? Kind waist of? down. Okay. And men were wearing the bibs or vice versa. Uh-huh. So that then it sort of everybody had their own sort of look and identity going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, now, since we're into shirts and jackets and all that stuff, we can kind of pick and choose what everyone's wearing, uh-huh. which is really kind of interesting. With this first job, how many aprons did you need? Where were you making them? You didn't have a factory then. I did. Because, you did? Well, so with working at Stephen Allen for so many years, I had relationships with so many factories. Okay, okay. In New York, in the garment district, mm-hmm. because luckily Stephen was doing a lot of domestic production at that point. Mm-hmm. So I went to my factories and said, can you do this? And, and did you have any seed money? Did you need um, investors? We had some money that my husband had mm-hmm. um, saved. To start I mean, this business. I think oh. it was like $5,000. Uh-huh. That was it. And this was in 2012, like I said. Mm-hmm. And so that first job, you had to make how many I think it was like 50, 50 or 60 aprons, uh, something like that. So it went over well. It went over really well. And then what happened? Uh, what happened after that, I think they reordered and we were like, okay, great. So this is a thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then um, I think what happened is I started kind of tweeting to other restaurants in our neighborhood and sort of trying to reach out a little bit. And you who over here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and mm-hmm. we got um, a couple of really great clients at the beginning, like wonderful clients. And then it kind of spread from word of mouth from there. Did you reinvent the wheel? <laughs> um, no, no. I think what we did was take something very common, basic, and then add a fashion side and pull it into the fashion side. And just sort of redo it in that sense. Yes, but you're letting people know mm. that this is more than just um, mm. utilitarian. It has to, it has a function, yes. and it has to work, but it can also be fashionable. Exactly. Yeah, and it's something that was largely ignored by the fashion industry. So we thought, hey, you know, no one's paying attention here, and they need to be paying attention because. Like you said, you go into restaurants. Sometimes you don't even know who's working there. You oh, know? for sure. And so, how? Were you able to use your creativity in designing? It basically came down to, well, like you said, sort of inventing stuff that wasn't really there yet Mm -hmm. and bringing in little interesting quirks to an apron. Mm -hmm. So adding some, you know, waxed canvas to the side or adding a leather strap or a really beautiful, you know, antique brass grommet, some mm-hmm. things that were would sort of bring it up a notch and, and make it something fashionable. And then how did you take it to the next step? Because aprons are one thing, mm. but that's not how you wanted to exclusively be defined. From the very beginning, we wanted to make workwear. We wanted to make apparel. So the, the aprons sort of was the beginning step to right. it, the jumping You started point. small, mm-hmm. in a way. Define workwear. You know, there's so many different definitions. Mm-hmm. A lot of times you'll see workwear as sort of like 
corporate workwear, like suits. For us, workwear is more of the like the vintage sense of workwear, as in things that someone's wearing to work in. Right, physically. because you're getting your hands dirty. Exactly. Who comes under that umbrella? So many people. I mean, it's first of all, you have the restaurants, right. then you have. I mean, we have clients that are woodworkers. We have painters, tattoo artists, barbers, wow, um, flower shops, wine shops, cheesemongers. Butchers, and then the big hotel groups with all their different people in their companies. All right, this begs the question then. As a butcher, Mm. I just need something Mm. that when I wash it, the blood, you know, (laughs) from whatever, the Mm. lamb is, you know, going to be washed off. Why do I need you if I'm running Sandy's butcher shop? Well, it depends what your butcher shop is. So we outfit all the butchers at Eataly. They're visible. They're in in, in back of a big glass (laughs) window. So everyone's walking by watching. So them having blood all over them is kind of an issue, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, they actually wear a waxed canvas apron of ours that's really, really heavy. It weighs about two pounds. Wow. And you can just wipe off because it's wax. So you just... And nobody ever thought of that before you, Deidre? Yes. I mean, way, way back, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. you can see... I don't even... I'm not going to pretend that I know what year this would be, but... That's okay. <laughs> people would have always worn these sort of heavy, thick wax aprons to mm-hmm. do work in. But you made them sexier? I would say so. How so? The fit, one, Mm -hmm. two, Mm -hmm. um, the colors that we're using, and three, the hardware, sort of the details. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So continue with this definition of workwear. So workwear for me is something that you can wear all day, you know, wipe your hands off on it, and also have a bunch of pockets, things you can put your tools in, and that you can also be presented to as in, like, you're in front of house, your waiter, you mm-hmm. you have a unified look. You mm-hmm. know, this is, you're working in this item, and everybody kind of looks uniform. Right. Not to, Which is what you, most places want, right? They don't want you yeah. necessarily to stick out. Right. Just one person stick out. Mm-hmm. Do you design workwear for, let's say, a maitre d'? We don't. A lot of times the bar staff will be elevated in terms of what they're wearing, so... The front of house will be wearing, say, a denim apron. Okay. And the bartenders will be wearing a leather apron mm-hmm. or a work jacket or something that kind of sets them apart as the focal point because they are so visible. A lot of restaurants you'll see spend a lot of money on the bar. Mm-hmm. They want it to look really beautiful. Mm-hmm. So that that kind of happens a lot. What about a Tony restaurant, kind of a five-star place? Mm-hmm. Are they your clients as well? Last year we worked with Benoit mm-hmm. restaurant. Um, so that was one of the higher-end ones we did. In Manhattan. In Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Um we did also the Charter Oak, which is um, out in Napa, California. That's mm-hmm. a really wonderful restaurant mm-hmm. that's always on the world's best list. And they, what did they do before Jones of Borum Hill showed up? I don't even know. I don't know the answer to that. Um, I think a lot of people were using mass market sort of Chef Works is one of the big brands. They do innovative designs, but it's still you know, very inexpensive. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's made in China. It kind of falls apart quickly, that kind of thing. I read also that you're... Articles are made in the United States, mm-hmm. and that's that's really a big deal. Mm-hmm. But when you're going to a high-end restaurant, that's a whole other mindset, mm-hmm. even though you're looking for practicality, but you're also looking for a fashion style. Yes, exactly. And that's where the clothing comes in as well, because now if you don't want you know, just an apron, you have the apron with a buttoned-up shirt underneath it with a tie or something. So it all okay. kind of, it all becomes very cohesive with, with the clothing involved. It's a whole look. It's, it's whole not look. just putting an apron on your body. Right. And so when we go into these restaurants, what I'll do is I will sketch up a whole 
design for them. I will show them what shoes people should be wearing, what color pants. And wow! So they'll get they'll get the you know the mock-ups and say, okay, yeah, I like this look. And and have you ever met with any resistance? Resistance from the clients? Yes. Not really. I mean, a lot of because we don't really do any marketing. Most of our clients. Well, we're coming to you, in other words. Yeah, they already um, know what we're doing. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's it's a little bit. You of don't an have easy to sell, sell yourself. Yeah. in that sense. We don't we don't have to push too hard on it. Yeah. What would you say was one of your more difficult jobs? So we have uh, some agents in in Japan that sell our things in Tokyo. Uh, at trade shows and things like that. They'll throw some really interesting projects at us sometimes. Um, We also have some liquor brands that have thrown some challenging projects our way, Uh but we've managed to do pretty much all of them. What do they need your services for? They need our services for promotional stuff, so they, for things that they give to their, you know, their best clients or for, you know, pop-up uh, events or, you know, when they work Fashion Week and their bartenders are at Fashion Week. Gotcha. Right. Yeah. I didn't even think of that. So it could be, in a sense, a one-time shot. Yeah. I mean, they use them over and over, but for those specific events, yeah, that would be something. Do you ever step back and just sort of marvel <laughs> at what's been happening these last co- couple of years to you and your husband? You know, we have a handful of, of uh, competitors that are doing similar things, but I do think it's such an interesting little sideways Niche, thing, yeah. But, it, but was your business largely word of mouth? Yes. So yeah. you didn't really have to go out there mm-hmm. and really sell Jones of Borum Hill, did you? No. I mean, we've been lucky enough to have a couple of big sort of media things that have just happened to, to come our way. Um, really early on in the company, we were featured in Wall Street Journal, which was great. That was like a big sort of boom. But it was mostly home chefs, and it wasn't a lot of uh, corporate clients or uh-huh. restaurants. Yeah, I mean, basically, we've had a lot of people calling in and saying, hey, I just saw your aprons over at this restaurant, or I was traveling over in London, and I saw your aprons here. How do they know they're your aprons? Well, we put our logo on everything. Okay. (laughs) We have to put it on there. Or it's like, we're not going to serve you unless you ask us where where this came from. Yeah, exactly. But how did you branch out into... Companies like the French perfume company, Le mm. Beau is you. I mean, what are you designing for them? All of their employees in their stores wear air aprons. And they wear them, and it's so beautiful. Have you ever been in a Labo shop before? No. It's very highly curated. It's just quite an experience. Uh-huh. So all of their staff sort of wear the aprons differently. Some of them have them folded over. Some of them have it tied in a certain way. And so it's really beautiful. And we also make tote bags that they sell in the store that are these really cool, like, heavy-duty waxed canvas uh, tote bags. You say it, and I'm not picking on you, like it's such a natural act. (laughs) But when you stop and look back to 2012 and where you are today, I mean, obviously, what you're doing is working. Clearly, I'm stating the obvious, but I'm kind of in awe of that. It It just morphed because of your talent and creativity and because you provided a service that maybe people didn't even realize they needed. That and also that the fashion industry didn't want anything to do with. That oh, it was, was beneath the, them? Beneath a little it? bit. I think so, a little bit. I think that they didn't see that as a market. And to me, that was such a huge market. And I was like, whoa, that's great. This is really fun. And you get to be around interesting hospitality people and food and chefs, and it's so fun. But that's that area. I mean, mm. you just mentioned before painters yes. and woodworkers. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing particularly sexy, <laughs> you know, about that. Mm. But for me, anybody that's doing creative work is interesting, you know? I mean, I'll get like an order from a sheet metal company and I'm like, oh, that's cool. I love the idea that people that normally wouldn't 
want or care about something fashionable, want it and like it and feel good working in it. And you've never kind of run up against a blank canvas? So meaning like somebody came to us without any idea and, of what they what needed. What am I going to do? I don't know. You yeah. Know. I mean, we've had that happen a lot recently and it's sort of here, look at my restaurant. What should I do? And for us, that's really fun because we get, you know, in a lot of cases we can walk in while they're constructing the restaurant and they'll show us the color of the chairs or the, what the bar looks like. And they're, you know, these owners are so excited about what they're doing. So you get really into it too, you know. Mm -hmm. Oh, we got this bar from this old diner out in Ohio and we had it shipped here and remodeled. And, you know, you get into these little tiny details and then you start seeing, okay, well, they're using blue here and they're using a lot of metal. So let's do something a little more reserved and subdued. And you kind of just play with all the colors and textures. Are you the only designer? For us? Yes, for you. My husband does a lot of the design. So he's not just exclusively a business person. No, he does. He's come up with a fair bit of the designs. Yeah. Right. But your other employees are. It's just us for now. It's just you. It's just you us and our this, interns. Yeah. You are this two person operation. For now. Yeah. And the only way that works is because, A, we get all these amazing interns from SCAD, from my old school. And also, you know, we're not doing the production in-house. Right, you're farming that out. And so I have all these great um, factories that are able to take on some of the work for me, you know, and, and sort of say, okay, this is what we're doing. This two-person operation, I mean, you're the designer, you are the business people, <laughs> you're out there going to meetings, yeah. and um, do you ever feel like, oh, it's too much? It's too much. It, it's 100% too much. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know anything about accounting or, uh, you know, web design or well, marketing. you can farm that stuff out, can't you? We have, and, you know, I've taught myself some of it, too. And uh -huh. now, we're, now this year we've decided to expand and start hiring people and, and go down that route. Because there's just so, there's so much work, and we're missing some of it now because we're overwhelmed, you know? Were you surprised by the response? Um, a little bit. I mean, when we first started out, I did some research, mm -hmm. you know, and when I was working on the business plan, I kind of ran the numbers and I said, oh, my God, there's so many restaurants. There's so many hotels. There's so many people working in this industry. So I knew that the numbers were there. I just didn't know if they would be willing to spend the money on the uniforms. Uh huh. And they are. Because and it's not an inexpensive venture. It's not, but it's such a... I mean, it's inexpensive compared to a lot of the things that they're buying for the restaurants, mm -hmm. but it's it's important. Yeah, you know? sure. Not everyone's going to think it's important, but uh, uh, enough do that we're we're kept busy. Who are you designing for in terms of hotels? So right now, what we recently just did was uh, freehand hotels um, just opened on Lexington Avenue, um, and that was basically we're doing all of their food concepts in the restaurant. So Gabe Stuhlman, who's a restaurateur here in New York, he owns, I think, five restaurants in the West Village. He did all of the, the concepts. So there's like coffee shop, an all-day place, a dinner place. And so we did all of that. Right, and but then, you're not necessarily designing the uniforms for other staff members of the hotel. Not that particular hotel. So that's what we're working on next. To, um, to expand. Yeah, so, the, so we're working on designs for that now. And that kind of leads me into, so where are you guys headed? What do you want to add to your repertoire? Now we're, we're focusing on the clothing. We're going to add more clothing. Um, we're going to add more shirts, some suiting, uh, jumpsuits. Do you worry that you'll get to be too big? No. <laughs> no, no. Uh -huh. No, I would love to just, you know, dominate the side of the industry that we have. I think it would be amazing. 
we keep going. And you have a lot of business outside the states. Yeah, we do. We've had business, I think, I mean, on every continent. Where do you see yourselves in like the next five years? I'm not sure. I mean, we're working now on sort of updating our business plan. And uh-huh. I think maybe 10 or 12 staff, you know, trying to triple or quadruple the amount of places we're in and just, you know, raise our visibility up in the industry. Is there any industry that you're just itching to design for? I mean, you brought up sort of high-end restaurants. Uh-huh. I would love to do like like the suits, like high-end suiting for for the For waiters. a five-star for restaurant. For a five-star. Yeah, that would be so much fun. Because what would you think you would do so differently? Just because we I know what the suits are like at these places and they're either restrictive or restrictive, not, you know, not the best quality, not the best fit. Really, even if, for a high-end restaurant? Unless they're buying straight from a designer, you know, and in that case they're paying through the nose for that. Okay. So I could kind of bring the price down and bring the quality up and it would be really fun. For me, that's the that's the goal. So, I'm guessing you and Yeston are living the dream. Oh, uh, some would say maybe. <laughs> <laughs> when you look back and you see how far you've come, I mean, it's it's impressive. However things start, whether it's happenstance or calculated, mm. you know, you've got a lot of street cred going on here because it's been a bunch of years. Yes, And it's exactly. really great. Yes, thank you, yeah. Much more continued success with Jones of Borum Hill. Thank you very and much. And you can't move out of Brooklyn, right? Because then you'd have to change the name of your company. <laughs> I know, yes, exactly. <laughs> You're stuck in Brooklyn. Not a bad place to be, I Not might Not too add. bad, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, Deidre, for coming coming and uh, sharing your your passion and your life with us. It was sure. really interesting. Thank you so much, Sandy. Join us for another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein. Oh, buddy,